0: We're going to be in the book of John, chapter one. If you want to turn there, um, as you head that way, let me let me sort of uh, jump to the end of the sermon for just a second. We do a response time here at Living Hope that is kind of multifaceted, and we do that because there are there are different things happening in a room like this. Uh, in every in every heart, every mind, and we're we're all wired up differently, and there's different personalities, and there's just different things that would help you connect to what God's doing in that moment. And so, we want to offer a variety of ways to respond. Uh, one of the ways that we respond is through, uh, like some people, their response to what God is doing is is to come to one of these stations on the corners over here, and that's where you can tithe, and that's where you can leave prayer requests. And that's where our normal offering is collected. Now, today, when you're sitting out there, there's a envelope, there's a white envelope uh, that you have. And hang on to that because that's for something different. I'll get to that in just a second. So some, that is an option in response. You can uh, stay where you are. You can sing. You can pray. You can just kind of be with God in that moment if you want to. You can come to these steps down here and pray if you like, or we'll have a couple of our uh, staff and elders on the front row down here that will be able to, if you want someone to talk with you and pray with you, if you have uh, something like that. So you can pray, you can give, you can sing, and you can receive communion. Our communion lines are, they're open to anyone who, who knows Jesus and wants to say yes to what he's doing. And so you don't have to be a member of this church to participate. And this is the kind of communion where you take the bread and you dip it in the juice and you take it yourself. And so we'll have two uh, uh, servers, down one on each side down here. And we want to just give everyone an opportunity to respond to whatever God may be stirring in the moment. And so I wanted to explain that on the front end because I feel like maybe we just want to go kind of seamlessly maybe right into that time. Um, Now the envelope that you have, that's for a special offering that we're going to collect at the end of the service. At the beginning of the Advent season, we ask everyone to pray about giving an amount of money out of your Christmas budget, let's say, uh, to this offering that we're going to collectively help uh, bless... Uh, a family or two that is that could just really use uh, a financial blessing right now. Um, I know you're thinking like, well, who couldn't use a financial blessing right now? But this is like these are difficult situations, and uh, there are a lot of ways that we can love on people, and one of them is uh, to meet some of those insurmountable uh, odds that they're up against. And so uh, I'm not giving you a lot of information on that, and that's you just got to trust uh, your leadership on that. But uh, we're gonna. Collect that offering at the end. And the reason why it's in an envelope is that uh, we want you to be able to participate in this offering, whether it's financially or through prayer. And so it's there for you to write something on it. If you want to write a note to the recipients of this offering, if you want to encourage them, write a prayer for them, write a single word, a couple of words, it doesn't have to be articulate or even legibly written, it doesn't matter. Uh, but as we, pre- when we present uh, this uh, blessing to them, we also want to hand them a stack of prayers and encouragement. And so uh, we wanted everyone to be able to, to participate. So you may be here and you may say, I have no cash on me, I have no checks on me, I have no idea what to do. Um, and, or you may say, "Look, I've already kind of already given as much as I can give right now." Well, then, write write on that envelope, and at the end of the service, we're gonna we're gonna collect them in this box down here. So we wanted you to be able to come forward and participate in that as well. So whether it's money or whether it's prayer, we wanted everyone to be connected to it. And if you are used to giving through the Realm app, there is a in the drop down menu. There's an Advent offering uh, section in there as well. If that's better for you. So we're going to do our normal response time, and then at the end, we're going to do one more song, and during that song, I'm just going to invite you to come forward and put your envelope in this box, and uh, then we'll pray over that at the end and uh, take it from there. So that's kind of where we're headed. Um, Fourth Sunday of Advent, we're working our way around that wreath, and hope that you will come tomorrow night at five o'clock in here when we finally make it all the way around into the Christ candle in the middle it'll be a five o'clock service it'll be about 45 minutes long so you can kind of know how to plan and uh, please bring family bring whomever you want uh, I think I think we you want to be there at the apex of the advent season here we are in week four um, the advent focus is always it's kind of Uh, it's multifaceted. You focus on the first coming of Jesus in Bethlehem. You focus on the second coming of Jesus that we're waiting on. You focus on what it's like to live in between those major historical events. And, uh, the whole time we're, we're basing all of our anticipation, our waiting and our longing on the fact that he came the first time, just like he said he would where our faith is not blind. Our faith is very informed. There's a whole stack of promises in this Bible of, of things that he has said he would do and that he has done. And there's some that he said that he would do and he just hasn't done them yet. But there's enough evidence here for us to know that our faith is not gray. Our faith is black and white. It is very clear. And so as we hang on to that, uh, I want this morning to, to talk about the first coming of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus. And um, I'll talk about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and all that stuff tomorrow night. But John takes a different approach. He takes a, an approach that um, kind of paints a different kind of picture. And so I'd like for us to look at that together this morning. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 1, we'll go 1 through 14. And we'll see what happens. All right. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear... He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. There's so much. I mean, we could spend months going through those verses. I'm going to try to spend minutes. So uh, yeah, give me a little grace on that. The first three verses uh, about, uh, in the beginning was the word. Anytime you see the, the word word with a capital W that is referring to Jesus. And there's a lot to a lot there. He intentionally uses that concept and all that. And I, I just don't even want to get into it cause I'm afraid that I'll run out of time. So let's just say that Jesus is God and he's existed from the beginning and within the father, son spirit, within the Trinity, Jesus's role is to create. Okay. So that's my summation of verses one through three. Okay. Uh, look at four, four and five. This is where I'd really like to spend the most time today. Verse four in him. So in Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now there are plenty of parts of the Bible that are hard to understand. And, uh, there are parts of the Bible that you, you have to do some historical study, you have to understand what some keywords mean. You have to remember what happened a long time ago to understand what they're talking about and what you're reading. But this is not one of those places. God uses like some very simple things to help us understand some very deep things. He uses life versus death. He uses light versus darkness. He uses these things that that everyone can grab onto. We understand light. We understand darkness. And he does this on purpose. Notice that verse, so verse 4 says that the light was was inside of him. But verse 5 says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Now there are days when it feels like the darkness is winning, doesn't it? It feels that way sometimes in our, our, like emotionally. It appears that way sometimes when we watch the news or when we see what's going on in our world. And there are just times when you just, all you can do is shake your head and it makes you wonder, is the darkness winning? But let me ask you a very rhetorical question. That means I don't really want you to answer it. I just want you to think about it. Have you ever been in a situation where in a battle versus light and dark, that dark won? It'll never, It will never happen. It'll never happen. Even the smallest amount of light can overcome the darkest of the darkest of darkness. I didn't think that through, Uh, but it doesn't take a whole lot of light. I had a seminary professor that told a story about, he was in a a big hotel and he was on an interior room that didn't have a light and they had a power outage. And he just kind of sat there in the dark and just kind of waited for things to come back on. And he said it was the darkest, it was the most darkness he'd ever been in. He said, there's nothing in the room I could make out. And he said, it was kind of strange, but I just sat there for a while with my eyes open, just kind of thinking and whatever, and just waiting for the generator to kick in. So then I noticed that I began to, actually I could see things in the room. Like I could see the the desk, I could see the the chair. And so I started to wonder, how is it that I went from complete darkness to being able to vaguely make out these different shapes. He said, there there must be a light source. And he looked and looked and looked. And it was the, the little red light on the smoke detector was the only light that he could find. And that was enough once his eyes adjusted for him to see it. Darkness will never win. As grim as things look in between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, as dark as it gets, the darkness never actually wins. There may be some battles... There may be some times when it's like, okay, death, you uh, you, won, you won that little that little battle, but you will not win the war because the war is over. So John he builds on it in verses six through nine. He talks about John the Baptist. Verse six: There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness. About the light, John. So John the Baptist, he captures Advent for us. He he came to bear witness about this light, uh, who was who was coming into the world. He was preparing the way for this light to come, and so we wait. We celebrated that um, that second coming idea the last couple of Sundays that we're, we're this church that's waiting for him. That's begging for him to come. That's ready for him to come back. And we are preparing the way for him to do that so that when he does return, uh, that all know exactly what's going on, that everyone knows, Oh, this is what we have been told about that every nation tribe and tongue has heard the name of Jesus. And so John kind of embodies what Advent is all about. Verse 10 uh, 10 through 13, it says, it talks about Jesus coming to his own creation. Think about it. He, he made everything, and then he goes into something that he has created. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, okay, like his own creation, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. He came to make a family. And the way that a family is formed is you, it's done in person. So you go to a wedding ceremony. The bride and the groom, they leave their father and mother. They hold fast to one another and two become one. That's not something that, that happens unless the two people are there. Like, it's done in person. It's done with intentionality. It's done in public. If you adopt a child, you go into court, and you stand before the judge and for everyone in the courtroom. And, like, all that happens in a very official and public way. That is how you form a family in that regard. And so Jesus comes to make a family, and he comes to do that in person. And so verse 14, that is the landing point in many ways for this passage in the word, so Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. So Jesus comes to make a family by rescuing his children who had been in darkness. So in order to understand this, we, we need to go back a ways and to think about how darkness has been used Throughout the Bible. In Isaiah chapter nine. It says this it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. So this is describing what it's like. This is describing the spiritual condition of, of all of those men and women made in the image of God. That the people are, have been walking in darkness. Have you ever walked in dark, like like true darkness? We've all kind of like stumbled around, you know, our room in the middle of the night, kind of thing. I, I'm talking about like complete darkness. I've told this story a few times before, but I was when I got to go to Israel several years ago. We were in. The, they said, "Hey, today we're going to walk through Hezekiah's tunnel." And so we're like, "Oh, cool. What is that? No idea." And there is this, it's this really, apparently this really famous thing that we, sh- we should have known about, but none of us knew. And so it was, it's a tunnel that's, it's 500 yards long. There is a, a 12 inch difference between the beginning and the end. And uh, supposedly in the 7th century BC, they figured out how to dig a tunnel from point A to point B with a 12 inch difference in height. They like, it's an engineering marvel, especially for that time in uh, existence. And so it was inside the city walls of Jerusalem and it was designed to keep the water in, in the town so that anyone that invaded them couldn't poison their water source or whatever. And so they said, we're going to walk through it. So we go to the, we go and we start walking and none of us are really thinking ahead in in this moment and we're walking and we're about to, up to our knees, up to our, my knees. I'm not very tall, but there's water in it, and so we're we're slushing around. We're going through there, and we all have these backpacks on because it's a hiking trip. And we get into the tunnel, and we begin to realize, like, oh, there's no light inside of tunnels. This is not like a mining tunnel. This is like a hand carved tunnel. And we get into this thing, and we probably have 450 yards to go, and it is completely, completely dark. And so you're you're holding on to the person's backpack in front of you, so you don't slam into them. And you start to notice that you, ah, I can feel the walls, and it gets it gets tighter and tighter. And so at one point we're we're like hunched down, knee deep in water, holding on to the person's backpack in front of you, and it was terrifying to me. Like I, you don't think you're claustrophobic till you get in that situation. You're like, whoa! Uh, it it completely freaked me out. And like, I had to kind of like talk myself off the ledge a little bit and uh, cause it wouldn't bother anyone else. Apparently it was the, it was the only time I can ever remember being in complete darkness. And it was, it was very scary to me. So Isaiah nine two says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That Jesus comes into the darkness to bring light to us. And that light looks like grace and truth. According to verse 14. 14. A couple years ago, I was was really struggling myself to understand. Uh, a, kind of a, it was kind of a different concept, but I just I just kind of started going with this kind of story in my head, and I want to kind of bring that back out today to just to help us to really maybe just sit for a few moments in what it means that He brings light into the darkness, that that little baby in the manger was the light of the world and that the glory that shone all around where the shepherds were, uh, that glory and the brightness of that star, that Jesus is the embodiment of that light in a way that, that maybe, maybe we don't automatically think about too much. And so let me just tell this, this story for a few minutes and it's not perfect. So bear with me. Um, But I was trying to understand the like what it means to have the righteousness of Christ uh, applied to to us, and it talks about being robed in righteousness. And I got hung hung up on this idea of like uh, like Jesus is wearing this coat, you know, of righteousness. And so let's let's imagine for a second that the world, like the world that we live in, is uh, it's just it's a giant box, like a huge, massive box. That is completely sealed, and uh, so there's no there's no light getting. If there's light outside this box, it's not getting into this box that we live in. And inside the box, there's no there are no light sources. Um, there, there are rumors that that there's this some way to uh, to create this thing called light that will allow you to see what's in front of you and and to actually use the, the eyes that you have. But no one has been able to come up with how to do it. No one can figure it out. Some have tried. And so you you have eyes and they they work, but there's no light, so there's nothing to illuminate the darkness and it's just completely dark all the time. And so you, uh, this is the the way that you exist your whole life. So this is how you conduct all your relationships. This is uh, how you like, Make a living. That inside this black black box, full of comp- that's completely dark, there has developed trade and commerce, and and everyone has kind of learned how to exist. There's there's food sources somehow. I haven't gotten that far yet in the story, but uh, but this is how you do all the normal things that you do. This is where you exist, and you were born into this box, and so you you were taught by your parents how to, how to like figure your way around, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a cane, maybe, you know, that you use and, and, but you've, you've been taught like, uh, how to listen. You've been taught to listen to what sounds are safe sounds, what sounds are dangerous sounds. You learn to listen to people's tone of voice and kind of figure out their motives and stuff and who you can trust based on, on those kinds of things. You've, you like all your sense, other senses are heightened. And so you learn to use those. Your parents taught you that. And so you come up through the world in this like, complete darkness and it's all that you've ever known. And one of the things about it is that you have learned that the darkness is a very scary place to be because you never really are sure, totally sure what's going on. So you do your best to listen to people's voices and to listen to different things and and feel your way around and do your kind of go about your routines. But one thing you've learned is that Um, If you're not careful, people will take advantage of you. People will hurt you. They will lie to you. They will deceive you. They'll uh, suddenly you get knocked over for some reason. So like you've, you've, you've been through some difficult things and you've learned that you really can't trust anybody except the people that you know. And you've also learned that even the people, you know, you can't really trust them either. Because sometimes in the black box, your best friends let you down, your, your parents let you down, your spouse lets you down. You've been hurt, you've been lied to, you've been stolen from, you've been knocked over, you've been beaten up. The darkness is it's just terrible, but you figured out how to make it through. And in general, you just don't really trust anybody but yourself. So you get to, into adulthood and you're like, okay, I think I got this figured out. I'm going to look out for me. Try to take care of other people here and there, but at the end of the day, I'm the only one I can trust. And now you've heard rumors that one that, that there's this, this creator God who one day was gonna come in and make everything good again, but so far are you seen it as a lot of pain. And, and you but you want that, like you want things to get better, you don't want to live in fear. But it's kinda all you that you know. And so that's your existence. You just walk in and live in this darkness, and then one day you're going about your normal day, and you you kind of think your eyes are playing tricks on you because you you, you feel like you see like stuff moving, and you, you you hear someone talking, and then they like it's almost like they like you saw a form moving towards you and past you for a second. You're like, there's no way that this is really happening, but it's almost like your eyes are working. Like you can kind of start to see it's really, really, really gr- like dim, but you can see things start to get more and more clarity and you're not real sure what to make of it, but you're like, something is changed, Like something is happening right now because I can see people. I can see, uh, the things around me. I can see somehow, and, you re- and you're like, this must be like light. This must be what I have heard about. This this must be like someone must have come up with it. Someone must have invented it. And you realize that there is a source of light that it is getting closer to you and closer to you and closer to you. Almost like it's coming right at you. And you realize it's a it's a person. And this person is walking toward you. Next thing you know, he's, he's right in front of you. And he's got, a, he's got a smile, but it's not like, not a weird smile. It's like the perfect smile. He's smiling at you and he's got these, his eyes are like, you just, you're just captivated. You've never seen light before. You've never seen a person before. And here's the first person that you see face to face. And he's the light. He, this is where the light's coming from. And he looks at you and he says, um, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep dark, deep darkness, on them a light has come. And you're just like, yes. <laughs> and so you're just staring at him, and he's staring at you. And it seems like an eternity... And he looks at you and he says, uh, "Look around. You've never looked around before. Look around." So you begin to look around you, and you realize you're like, "Man, this, this place is filthy. Like everything here is just filthy. There's trash everywhere. There's, I mean, yeah, people have been they've been living in darkness. They don't they don't know. You're like, man, this this is terrible." He's like, yeah, yeah, it is. So what else do you see? You look around and the other people, they're still going about their, their lives, but you're, you're looking at them for the first time and you're like, they all look so scared. Their, their eyes are all swollen because they have, like, cause none of us sleep very well here because we're worried all the time. They're anxious. They're 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 fearful. They're they're timid. They like they uh, they wince at every weird sound. They look they just look so scared. And I says yeah, they are. I says, what else what else you notice? And you see, you're like man. There's there's just scars all over them over their faces, over their, their arms, their scar, scars from fighting so much and from so much violence and from, from just so much pain. He says, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. He says, what else do you see? Look at, what do you notice about you? And you look down and you realize that you're scarred. <laughs> Like, you look just like them. And you start to feel your face. You're like, well, my face is swollen too. I, I wince as well. I am wounded as well. I, this is terrible. I'm just like them. He says, yeah. And you just begin to cry. And just this reality is too much. You're like the darkness. It's too much. And, uh, and you look and he's crying too. And um, you just stand there and cry, man to man, you know, and you're both just crying. and you're like, "Why did, why would you come into this terrible place?" And he smiles, he says, "Well i I wanted to come and be with you first of all. Um, and I came to give you a hug, and you're like, "I've never had a hug, not a real hug." I've had a form of a hug. I've had an abusive hug. Never had a real hug. And, uh, he's like, would you like a hug? And you're like, uh, no. Because, well, I I have this coat on and it is filthy. And you have this coat on and it is like the, I just can't believe how beautiful and bright and clean it is. And if I hug you like this, it's going to get on you and, uh, I I can't mess up the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and he says uh, he says I get that I get that Um, he's like but I but I came I came to be with you in your pain and to hug you and to give you this coat and you say well can't you just make my coat clean he's like no that's not really how that's not really how it works your coat's done. You, you need to have my coat. And I'll take your coat. And you're like, Yo, well, I, that doesn't seem very fair to you. He's like, fair? He said, That's, you guys made up fair. You, you invented that. That's a human construct. Um, you, you let me worry about how this all plays out. And so, you're like, okay, what do I have to do? Do I have to pay you? Do I have to, you know, he's like, no, it's, You just need to believe that I'm the light that's come into the world, that I've come to rescue my children from all this filth and all this brokenness. Um, You need to to just admit that you have a black coat on that's filthy and that I have a white coat on that is holy. And that the only way to get rid of your black coat is to trust me to put my white coat on you. And you say, well, but what happens to you? You take you take my black coat, and then what? He says, well, I'm going to go accumulate a bunch of black coats, and uh, then one day, me and the Father are going to have a reckoning over this, and I'll put all those coats on, and uh, then he'll destroy the coats. And you say, but won't, you'll be destroyed if the coats are destroyed. he says, yeah, but... Then the father's going to bring me back to life because he can do that. So I'll be fine. My priority in this moment, though, is your coat. So do you trust me? you say, yeah. So you, you take off your filthy coat. He takes off his gleam, this bright as you can imagine, white coat and drapes it around you and puts it on you. And he's holding your black coat. he says, okay, I'm going to go take care of this. Now what I want you to do is I want you to keep living your life with that that white coat on. And you notice how how it's it's illuminating. It's bringing light to what's around you. I want you just to live your life. And I want you to notice the things happening around you. uh, Because you're going to be able to see stuff now. And I want you to respond to it. You can't pretend like you don't see it anymore. Now you see it and I I want you to respond to it. I want you to bring light into the darkness that you travel into every single day. I'm gonna go accumulate a bunch of black coats and then uh, I'll come back for you. So until I come back for you, you just bring light into darkness. And you're like, okay. One more hug? He's like, yes. Yes. And he walks away. As he goes, you you notice that the light is not departing with him. The light is still around you because you've got his white coat on. So you are now a light source. So you begin to go about your day and you begin to notice the people who are hurting. You begin to notice the people who have needs. You begin to notice the scars and the woundedness. And it's so heavy on you. Until one day you turn a corner and you see another person in a white coat. And they're like, brother. And you go and you hug. And you're like, did you meet him too? He's like, absolutely. Have you ever seen anything, anything so beautiful? And you, and you just bond over the shared experience about the light of the world coming to you. And this guy says, hey, I know where some others are. Let's go. And you go and you go into this room and there's like 10 other white coats. And it's a really bright room in a really dark place, and you're like, "What are what are we supposed to like? How do, like how's this supposed to work? How in the world can we go into all this darkness and make a difference?" I'm like, "Well, we're better together than than separate." So you begin to share stories, and you say, "Do you, do you guys know that in in that there are, um, you know that there are." kids who don't have parents? Have y'all, have y'all heard this? I'm like, yeah, we've we've heard that. And did you know that there's a way to like bring light into that darkness through adoption and foster care? I'm like, no, I've never heard of that. Who wants to go bring darkness and light to the orphans? A couple of them get up and they go. Someone else raised their hand they say, did you know that there are, are uh, teenage boys and girls being s- lured into all kinds of really weird situations so that they can be bought and sold just to please the sensual the appetites of men? No, I, d- I didn't know that. We need to bring some light into that darkness, don't we? Who wants to go? Four, or five, get up and they go. Did you know that there are people who uh, are sick and have no one to visit them? Do you know there are people who have nowhere to live? There are people who do not have food, that do not have water. Do you know there are people who do not know that there is light at all in the darkness? And the room just keeps sending people, sending people, sending people. And so you agree, hey, let's get together consistently So you encourage each other, but our main deal is bringing these white coats and bringing that light into all of those dark places because we were not created to live in darkness. We were meant to walk in light. And as you bring light into those dark places and people say, well, why are you here? Why are you doing this? And you tell them about Jesus. Somehow he magically shows up, not magically, but he uh, miraculously shows up and has the same conversation with them. And all these people, somehow Jesus is able to have that same face-to-face, beautiful conversation with that exchange of life to bring light into their darkness and the light grows and grows and grows and grows. And suddenly the box is way more lit up than it was. But it's a really big box. And everywhere isn't easy to get to. But every person with a white coat who's had that face-to-face with Jesus knows, hey, I don't have this white coat just so I can strut around in my white coat. I can now see the reality of the busted, broken existence inside this box. And he's enabled me and empowered me and sent me to do something about it. says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us now the word dwells among our world through our lives and so those white coats just keep bringing light to darkness over and over and over again until one day jesus shows up again it makes it all new and opens up that box And recreates that world. He did it the first time, just like he said he would. He's going to do it the second time, just like he said he would. And here we are between them. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He still dwells among us. So... I don't really have an ending for the story because it's, it hasn't ended yet. So all we have to do really as Christians is see ourselves as wearing white coats. Like that has happened. That he has taken your black coat. He has taken your sin and all that you have done. He's taken that from you. He has it. He's given you his righteousness. He's robed you with his light. When he died on the cross, he took all those coats upon himself. And they've been done away with. And now we live in a world where it looks like the darkness is winning. And we get to tell the darkness otherwise. We get to go up to people who who are fearful and who are scared and who are wounded and who are looking in all the wrong places for fulfillment and direction and hope. And we get to say, hey, there's there's just one place that you can find it. There's only one coat. And so for us, fourth Sunday of Advent, so far he has not made that return. And it's okay, it says in Galatians that the first time he came, it was when the fullness of time had come, like at just the perfect moment. Second coming be the same thing. So until then, if you are a, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have if you have had that that moment with him, obviously it didn't happen just like that. But if you've had that moment, I think. A part of this is about embracing that exchange life that is yours, that you you are not the embodiment of sin any longer, that you are a, a holy, precious saint, son, daughter of the most high. And he has trusted entrusted you with this message to you now go and be the light in that darkness. So this morning it might be about you just, just embracing what he has done or embracing the mission that he has entrusted to us. But if you have a white coat on, we, we can't live as though we don't have white coats on anymore. Once he's illuminated it, it's, it's there. It's there. And we get to do that together as a family. But you may be here and you're not sure what what color the coat is that you're wearing. You're not, you're not sure if you've ever had that moment where you really looked at him and said, I, I believe that I need you to save me. I believe that you have come into the darkness to be light. And I I want that exchange. I want to I want to be with you forever. If you've not had that conversation. You don't need someone to walk you through it necessarily. You can just have it just you and him. But if you want someone that will explain that and kind of help you understand it, we'll have some of our ministers and pastors here on the front row in a few minutes. They would love to be able to do that. You don't have to w- walk out of here wondering where you fit into that story. Because the light of the world has come to us. And the world seems like it's getting darker and darker. But really, it's getting brighter and brighter. The more faithful we are, we light up the darkness. And so we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to respond in those different ways that I said earlier. You can sing, you can pray, you can give, you can receive communion. And then there'll come a point toward the end where I'll say, all right, come forward now, put your, your offerings and envelopes into this box. But for right now, how about this just be you You and the Lord time. We'll get to the Advent offering in a minute. Let me pray for us. Take just just a second and just think about The, um, just think about life in, like when darkness seems like it is winning, that it is the, the dominant uh, narrative. And just think about that, like I was describing that, this loving, gracious Savior making a beeline line for you, in whatever way He's done it. next thing you know he's just standing there looking at you just think about the the love in his eyes the compassion that that would take the great lengths he was willing to go to for his his bride to be pure and holy and redeemed just it's just stunning Father, we are grateful that um, you could have left us in that box. You could have left us in that darkness. forever we will be singing your praises and thanking you for the fact that you did not. In the most perfect way, at the most perfect time, you stepped in. You came to be with us in our sadness and in our pain you came to be with us in the darkness but it just couldn't remain dark because you are our light so we thank you that you came to be with us and to bring that grace and truth to us that you loved us enough to tell us hey your coat is filthy but it doesn't have to be We thank you, Father, for your grace to us. And pray that as we all respond in various ways in these closing moments, that you would be glorified in our response and with our hearts and our minds. We love you. We thank you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Our communion tables are open. Let's stand together. You come whenever you're ready.